So we're in a series entitled Walking with the Father. And this is, see you later, alligator. This is, um, this is such a good process and thoughts for us because we, uh, we ended the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And if you're um, a guest here or haven't been here in a few weeks, we're, we're doing a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians. And then as we um, walk through a chapter, I have found that God typically puts something at the forefront of our thoughts and we need to wrestle with it a little bit more. And we ended Ephesians, the third chapter, with this reality that we're, um, we're a people called as stewards of the gospel. And that sounds pretty um, daunting. Uh, it sounds pretty uh, enticing. It sounds extraordinary to, to recognize that the Lord has said of us, um, you're the stewards of the gospel and there are currently unreached peoples that you're going to touch with the hope of Christ. That's exciting. And so um, currently, right now, there are people who don't yet know Jesus, who have not heard his name, who um, are, are functionally absent from him. And because you're on this earth, you're going to make such great display of Jesus that they're going to come to know him, fall in love with him, and become a part of the stewardship of the gospel. That's That's incredible. And not only did he challenge us with that, he being Paul and speaking to the church at Ephesus, but then he said, um, oh, by the way, in case that's not big enough for you, um, the heavenlies are going to peek in. Um, the angelic realm is going to look into the window of your gatherings and they're going to see greater pictures of God. For me, that felt weighty. It felt weighty to say, oh, Lord, okay, um, I am given this administration, this stewardship of the gospel to carry it to people groups all over the world, um, to begin in my own home, to start in my own city, in my own places of spheres of influence, and then maybe just maybe God also to go to other nations. Um, wow, I want to do this well. And so I wanted to untangle that a little bit from being this extraordinarily, well, I can't untangle that. It's an extraordinarily vast, weighty calling of God for every one of us. And if we are followers of Jesus, you have been handed a stewardship by God for his glory. And we should handle that with extreme care and with, um, and, and with extraordinary zeal in our lives. And so um, I want to just think about um, what it means to be wise and a holy lean through consummate submission today as we think about these ideas of Bob challenges. And I, um, I developed these thoughts out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, which says, just trust God. I mean, as you trust God, trust Him with all of your heart. And He just gives us a positive, and then He says, oh, by the way, as you are trusting God with all of your heart, um, don't lean on your own understanding. But in every way that you can as you traverse this earth, acknowledge Him as God. And what becomes extraordinary in this Bob challenge, this stewardship of the gospel is this, is that he will make your path straight. And I'll end with this, but I should start here. This is not he will take your crooked and broken situations and make them straight and everything will be okay. Um, I am currently not a televangelist. And so I'm not going to throw that one at you. That is not his message in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Is if you'll believe God for certain things, he's a currency God. And as you give him more, he'll straighten out everything and you will have your best life today. That's not the promise of God anywhere in Scripture. 
The promise of God is this, is that I will make it clear how I am leading you. And some of us have been leaning in and saying, we, we, we hear this mystery of stewardship and we really want to handle it well. And we want to get to the end of our lives and to hear, way to go, well done. We want to say words like Paul as we are coming down to the last lap of this race on life is that I have run this race. I have finished the course God has called for me. Is that not? An ultimate statement? I mean, I have far less years on this earth than I've lived to this point. And I'm probably two-thirds of the way there, and I'm stopping and thinking, okay, God, and that's assuming I live to the normal age. I may go home the next next week. And so, God, here, what I would like to be hearing this from you in my heart, that I have run this race, I have finished this course, I have accomplished the task you have for me. Oh, God, this is, this is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And I think to get there begin is to begin to wrestle with this, this incredible trust we have been given, how we lean our lives, and how we submit our lives to God. I believe that this isn't this extraordinarily mystical thing, although it is. It is a mystical walk with God who will make our path straight. I wrote down some thoughts to begin this. I think that our conviction to see Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, our conviction to see Ephesians, the third chapter, come alive, is a, is a conviction to see the will of God done in our lives. It's a, and I know that sounds super simple, but I think that most of us are not overwhelmingly committed to the divine will of God. And if, and to measure that, if you, um, I love Louis Giglio in one of his books, he's talking about worship, but I think this applies to our willingness to adjust our lives to God. If you follow the trail for the last seven days of your time, your possessions, your worries, your what you laid in bed and went to sleep dreaming about, what you woke up dreaming about, what you invested in this past week. If you just took the last seven days and said, I'm going to follow the path of those decisions and where they have landed me, you would land at the place of your altar. You would land at the will of your life, if you will. You would land at what you're about and it would It would cut at the core, your time, your energies, your possessions, your passions. Those are the trails that lead us to this great stewardship. And can we just kind of as a church come around this agreement? Here's what we want to steward, the will of God. We want to walk with the Father. I mean, just the Great Commission has given us enough capacity to move forward as a church. For us not to sit around and say, I'm going to journal. I mean, some of us are still sitting, Bob Challenge. Top of the page. God, I don't, I don't know where to go. Let me just start with this. The first word of the Great Commission is enough for you to spend the rest of your life with. If we could just wrap our hearts around as a church this, what would happen if we heard the first word and just simply lived it out? Go! You know, here we go. Go! You know, most of us, our first word in the kingdom of Jesus is, I will go when you give me guidance, Lord. And he's going like, look, I've already given you guidance. It was the Great Commission. It was the last words before I went off of this planet. And yet I'm on this planet in the power of the Spirit of God. I've given you Him. I'm praying to my Father who's speaking to the Spirit, who's amplifying my will. Go! Yes. And so I'm just going, like, okay, how? I don't know. Just go. Here's, here's, here's some things he said to us. How would it change if our lives were a giant yes rather than a no? Or I'm not sure. What if, what if we just said, God, the answer's already yes. Now, straighten out my path. 
Make it clear. I'm all in. I don't know in my, you know, 49 years on this planet, I don't know around the churches I've been in since negative nine months that I would describe many people as people who have already said, yes, and now fill it in, Jesus. Most of us, if we're just super honest with the Lord, I mean, I'm not referring to you. This isn't a sermon about you. Let me just take that off of you and point the mirror at me. Most of my life isn't a God. Yes, I'm going. I'm already going this week. In fact, the minute I finish preaching here, in fact, I'm going preaching right now, and I'm going to finish preaching in a minute, and I'm going to go out the door, and I'm going to go into spheres of influence, and I'm going to go meet a waitress, and I'm probably going to meet her and have a conversation with her. Actually, it's going to be the Zaxby's guy cooking chicken, because that's where we're going today and I am going with you and you're going with me and we're going to go have a conversation and maybe your gospel will come alive in that moment and I'm going to go out of there and I'm going to have two kids in my car with me and we're going to have go conversations and we're going to go for Jesus because we're going to talk about that and then we're going to go home and I'm going to go take a nap for the sake of the glory of God, and then I'm going to wake up and go back here, and I'm looking for go conversations with people who are on go, and we're going to cook and laugh and go together, and we're going to talk about that, because my life is a go. It's already a yes, Jesus, and I'm not looking at the mysteries of, is he going to send me to, you know, to Australia, which, which Julie and I talked about on the way in today, or can I go to the Antarctica? That's a continent I've never gone for, for the sake of the gospel. I think he's just looking and saying, will you just go? You know, that's just, it's more exciting because I'm not looking at some mystery like somewhere down the road, I'm going to go there and finally do God's will. How about this? Go. Like right now, you're on go. And I appreciate if you didn't walk out at this moment and take me literally, but in a spiritual sense, you're on go. Like your God has given you a great go. I mean, you woke up today every follower of Jesus, every one of us had this yes calling. I mean, here's what he said about us. You are my representatives on this earth. Go. You're the ambassadors for who I am. Go. You're, I mean, you can play this out in the midst of your family. You can play this out in the place that you go work tomorrow. You can play this out in the environments that you're in. You can, you can do this at Zaxby's. You go for the sake of who I am. We are called and we are commissioned, and so your go starts today to make disciples. Who are you, as a disciple of Jesus, investing in today? Who will be intentionally in your mirror this week that you're going to sit down with them, or you're going to Skype with them, or you're going to message them, or you're going to, whatever that um, app is, that you're going to story them, and your story won't be about where you're at in this moment. Your story will be the Word of God and Him alive in us, and I just want this story to be my go. See, guys, I mean, God's called us, and I think a lot of us are going around, you know, this Bob Challenge is blinking on my cursor, and I don't know what to do with it. You are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. Go. You are called to be his witnesses. Go. You are commissioned to make disciples. Go. Push the go button. You are given an assignment to serve as an ambassador of reconciliation. Go. As far as you can live in unity and heart with each other, go. As far as you can serve people around you who are hurting and frustrated, go. Serve. Live. I mean, he commanded us to love not only God, but he calls us to love our neighbors. You've been placed by God. Placed. Placed. You've been pasted. You've been put in your neighborhood by God's grace for his glory. Go. Go. Let me get my L's in there. Not his glory, but his glory. I mean, you're mandated 
to follow the example of Christ to serve because he first served. Go. It's like, that's liberating right now to stop and go, God, I'm looking for this really big thing. And he's going, look, just trust me with all of your hearts. Don't trust yourself. You got nothing. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge me. And I'm going to be at work today. And I'm going to move around you. And I'm going to place people in your lives. And don't lean into your own understanding. Acknowledge me and I will make a path straight. And you'll be like John the Baptist. You will do the same thing. You will make straight the path of the Lord. That's incredible. What an incredible privilege we have as the people of God to move about on this earth saying, God, you've given us a divine yes. We're going. It may end up stirring you up where you're under, you know, you're downtown somewhere in the city or you're sitting in a children's home somewhere as we talked about in our group or you are in Uganda somewhere doing something or you are one of my favorite parts of this video. There was nothing that was um, not personal in the video that we showed you a little while ago. My favorite part is a guy went over to capture the new food project in Haiti and so he was flying a drone over that area and so that was a drone view and he said the best moment he had with his Haitian family as they sat around was showing them the uncut footage of their village as is it was on go and there was a drone just flying over there wigging out going this is our town look there's your house they've never seen it from that angle it was just so cool the guy just said you know i've been given the gift of photography and videography i'm gone and probably 700 kids are going to eat every day and they're going to hear the gospel every day because i'm already on go and he heard about the need and said, I already video for a church, a video for another church. This is what I do. This is who God's wired me to be. And my answer has already been a yes for a long time. And it took us three months to finally get him there because we weren't as go as he was. I, I want to believe God with you. And this is what we've been talking about. A group of people who are unwavering in our belief, who are full of faith and conviction that God's already called us. Our answers are already a bunch of yeses. That in every circumstance, if we're waiting for things to become okay to go, then then we're going to wait for quite a while. Because clearly the promises of God is that we're going to walk through this world with trouble, with travail, with issues. Go. So we're just kind of going in every circumstance. God, I'm not waiting for it to get better. I'm not waiting for this room to be full one day. I'm not waiting for things to happen. I'm not waiting for that person. I'm not waiting for this person. I am going for the sake of your gospel. In every circumstance I'm going, I'm leaning not in my own strength, but I'm leaning into the impossible. I'm leaning into you, Lord. I'm doing this rooted in truth, truth, established in truth, strengthened in truth. This is who I am. And I am, I am willingly putting aside naysayers. This would be a big deal for us as a church. It's just, we just kind of congregate around the message for the last few weeks would be this. There are 12 that are leaders in this room. If we follow the pattern, which I would, God forbid we followed it, but 10 of those 12, as you, if you were here last week, leaders, spiritual leaders of the fellowship, 10 of the 12 bailed. They had more criticism and more belief in their own strength, which was pitiful than they had in the strength of God. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. If you're going to go for God, you will not lean into conventional wisdom. You will not lean into your strength. Imagine if the ten had seen it through the lens of the two. Not what was going before them, but who was going before them, and all they saw was the living God. That would be powerful. 
And so I want to be rooted with a group that are saying, we see God, we're going in this. And I believe that God will then lead us into wise choices for the sake of his glory. And so I just wrote down the first thought is this, God lead us into the wisdom that you had. God lead us as, as you did with Solomon. I mean, I, I enjoy, in fact, I am amazed by Solomon and his activity as he as he was wrestling with God, Solomon followed his father, David, who was an extraordinarily great man. And at 20, Solomon took over the kingship, and he was great at... I think anybody knew he was 20. He hadn't, I'm great. I don't know what I'm great at. I just know that God has called me to a great calling to lead quite a few people. I know he's called me to a massive calling to build a temple for his glory. Sounds very similar, Right? And I'm reading in 1 Kings, the third chapter, about this idea of wise choices and how to be wise in this. And I I enjoy where he came from because he says, look, I want you to understand who God is, what he has called from me, and I'm a little overwhelmed by this. I'm 20 years old. I know that I'm pretty good at these 19 things. I don't know what two or three I do well, but here's what I know. And I love that he met at a place called Gibeon, and he and the Lord had a conversation. And here's where he landed on this. If you're hearing this go and you're thinking, this is motivating me. I am feeling good about this. I'm feeling biblically that you're telling me this is who I am. I still need a little bit of meat around this. Here's what you get from Solomon. Hey, look, Solomon, I'm God. I've moved in the heart of your father. I want to move in your heart as well. And here's what God said to him. So Solomon, what do you need? I love that verse. Solomon, this is 1 Kings, the third chapter. What do you need? This is a blank check from God. If you're 20, some of us are going to have to flash back a long time. Some of us are sitting on 20 right now. So if you're 20 and you're sitting before God back when you were 20, what would you have asked for? Some of you are looking forward going, when I'm 20 and God gives me a blank check, I'm going to fill it in here. Here's what Solomon said. Don't you love this sitting on the edge going, what would you ask for if God and I sat down together and he said, I've loved your dad. I've loved your granddad. I've loved the heritage. I love where you are. I love you. What do you need? Solomon's answer is a 20-year-old set the pattern for wisdom, a wise choice. He said, you know what I need? I need, here it is, here it is. I need an obedient heart. And I need a discerning wisdom. And if I can have those two things, Lord, I will be on go for every other thing you have for me. Would it be vibrant? Can I put a little legs around this for you? If you're 20 or 49 or fill in your age, if you are whatever age you are, and the Lord sat before you right now and said, I want you to go and I want you to build my temple. And oh, by the way, he's called you to do that. I want you to build my church. I want you to advance my kingdom. I want you to ambassador my life. I want you to do this on this earth. And I am going to ask, what do you need? This would be a great answer. God, I want to have an obedient heart and I want to have wise and discerning passion and conviction from you. And God, if you'll give me those things, I believe the rest of life will line up so that the paths make straight toward you. So you're 20 or however old you are. What are you asking from God? This idea of go and making wise choices, it really is incredible passion. Can I just give you some more permission in Philippians the fourth chapter, I love these verses since, since I don't, I don't know how to give actual legs to this because God is spirit. And he speaks to us in spirit and power and he's, he's what he says of us. For those of you who are willing to ask with obedient hearts and, and wise discernment, I will talk to you. The scripture says this. I promise you that his sheep hear his voice. 
This is not some weird schizophrenic experience. The sheep just hear his voice and we move forward with purpose. We move forward with conviction. We move forward in this world knowing that we are placed here for the sake of God's glory and his divine passion in this world. Philippians 4, the 8th chapter just says, I just want you to know you can think about a lot of things. You can get this incredible wise choice in your life. Brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are any moral excellence, if there is any praise, you should dwell on these things. I mean, we're just kind of sitting and looking going, you've got unlimited parameters. I think the Lord is just kind of looking and going, you can think about all of these things, things that are just in this world, move toward justice, things that are commendable in this world, things that are lovely in this world. And then he carries on in verse 9 and he says, if that's not enough, I want you to dwell here. Then go and do what you have learned. So I don't know if I have a different message today. It's just go, do something. Do what you've learned and you received and you've heard and you've seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. How about we get a huge eraser and erase no or stop or I'm thinking about it and just write a giant yes. I mean, God, I'm, you're kidding me. I can think about what's honorable in this world and I can live there. I'm going to live with honor and integrity and character. I am going to live the character defined as this, by the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless the personal cost. You want honor? I'm going to walk with honor and dignity in this world. You want justice? I am going to look for the hungry. I am going to look for the imprisoned. I am going to look for the orphan. I am going to look at the widow and I am going to move there. You want to find another just cause? He says right here, go for it. Get in the mix. You want to know what's commendable? Live for things that are commendable, things that are beautiful. And he says, do what you've learned. And this is what would be powerful among this body. Do what we're learning together and what we're seeing happening among one another and what God is doing among this whole group. And just start looking at one another going, I'm learning from you and I'm advancing because God is advancing through you. And then he just carries on in Philippians and says this, I know that you don't have a lot. I know because I've been there and Paul's looking going, but I have a little as well. And I know how to have a lot. And it's really not pertaining to the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether abundant or in need. And here's what he says. I am able to do all things through Christ. So if you want this holy lean, you want this wisdom, you're beginning to say, God, it appears that we can think about a lot of great things. We can go and do those things. And then we do those things regardless of the circumstance because we do them in the power and the strength of Jesus Christ, who is filling us to fullness with his purpose and pleasure. You have tremendous latitude in this room. You have latitude to do anything except not be an ambassador for Jesus. Not to be a minister of reconciliation. Not to walk out of this world with purpose and conviction as you make your way. I mean, you really can be a people who are saying, God, with extraordinary strength. I, I love Solomon, and I'll, I'll just keep moving forward now, but I love Solomon because if there was any person, God said to him, thank you for asking for an obedient heart, and thank you for asking for wisdom. See, I think I've always heard pastors, and you probably have been in, in better services than me, but I've always heard pastors say, yes, for wisdom. It is one thing to have wisdom, but it is a powerful next step that is critical in the life of followers of Jesus to have wisdom with obedience. 
We've got plenty of wisdom sitting in this room. We need plenty of obedience. God, you called me to this, and I have been accelerating from day one, and I will not pick up my foot until I arrive in heaven. That's, that's the call of God into this, into this beautiful thing. And I love Solomon because of all people who could stumble away from this, it would be him. And actually, if you know his story, he found that's quite possible and did. And then returned and did and returned and kept saying it's worthless except for God. But I love what he wrote. Of all the people, God blessed him with obedience and will, but he also favored him with things in this earth. And then Solomon wrote the words that I've read to you, and I'll read them again. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. I have wealth now, and I have power, and there are many that are under my authority. I am telling you in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. How? With all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. I believe that the... Holman is on the screen. I've memorized it in NIV, so if there's discrepancy, there you go. And so I just, I love this verse to just say, God, we want to have a holy lean. Proverbs 3 says this, trust God with your heart. That word trust literally translates this way. Be vulnerable for God with your heart. Lay on your face before God with your heart. Desperately seek God with your heart. Trust nothing else. I am helplessly lying face down, vulnerable, and completely dependent upon God with my heart. And then he juxtaposes that with this holy lean. And he says, if you're going to lean there, then you will lean not on your own understanding. I love it. I love. I don't I haven't heard this in a long time, but I used to hear from people as I dialogue. I don't know if it's just not... I just, maybe people just don't care as much anymore, but for a long time I used to hear, you're leaning on a crutch to be a follower of Jesus. And this verse is the antithesis of that. Lean into God who is all-wise, all-knowing, all-sovereign, all-divine, all-completion, all-hope, all-promise, all-passion. Just lean into Him. Because to lean into the best that you have is the ultimate crutch of stupidity. I'm asking you to lean there, to trust there, and in, in the juxtaposition is this. Lean not here. Don't lean into conventional wisdom. They are crutches. They are keeping you from the fullness of what God has in store for you. If you're leaning into the best understanding you have, good luck. If you're leaning into your wisdom, you are not leaning into God. If you are leaning into the resources that we have right now, you're not leaning into God. If you're leaning into the current conventional wisdom, God is looking and saying, look, I want you to lean into me. It's a holy lean. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be desperate. I want you to be face down. I don't know that I've ever been a part of a group in this fellowship that were face down before Jesus saying, we need you. We're on our faces, God. We are desperate for you to move. We, we, we want to permeate this city with the gospel of Christ. We, we want the students of our school that I, there's four of us that go to that school, and we want 2,000 students to have an awakening of Jesus Christ in that school, and we're face down. I go into a work environment day in and day out where people absolutely are far from you, and God, would you use me to draw them near? Okay, that was not me because I work with a staff and they're Christians. So just in case you think I'm talking about our church. Ryan's nodding on the front row going, thank you for clarifying. Lean into me. Lean in the direction I have. 
The early church was not an apathetic or apprehensive group. They weren't sitting and going, we're leaning on what we got. They're sitting in, look, they're sitting in desperate prayer, waiting for the Spirit of God to fall. And when He did, they went, and it was pretty potent. It was a good moment. They moved with an advance, saying, God, we know that in the midst of affliction and anguish and persecution and famine and even in death, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, so we're pushing forward. We're leaning not into our own understanding. We're leaning in to Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to live. And I just put the third thought is this. God, it begins here with our lives being fully submitted to yours. There's the, the Greek word for that is hypotasso, which is such a great word. We're always up under the authority of someone. And I, if I'm going to place my life under the authority, I want it under the authority of God. I want to be fully submitted to God. We will be submitted to varying people who have power over us as we walk through this life. But ultimately, we are submitted to God. And we're saying, God, your purpose and your will, and this has extraordinary implications for us, because here's the reality. When the wisdom that surrounds us is contrary to the wisdom of our living God, I wonder where you'll lean. When conventional wisdom steps into your life and says, you should go do this. You should treat this person that way. You should not back up. You should hold your place. I wonder what your convention conventional wisdom will do for you when you lean on the best that you have versus lives fully submitted to God. And lives that are submitted will just kind of begin to say, Lord, you know, when my emotion, listen, listen, when my emotions and my fears are in conflict with your call, what will I lean into? A submitted heart will do great wonders for those of us who are sitting in this room who battle fears as we make our way through this world who are deeply broken and wounded and we've got things in our past, things in our present that are causing us to be compelled toward fear and abandonment. And the Lord says, when those conflicts come with my assertive, my assertive beauty in your life, I'm wondering what you will lean into. I'm inviting you to just be face down before me and lean into me. When, when God's revelation comes and it speaks to us, I've, I've just, when we're in conflict, with things that are spoken in Scripture and our lives are in action in conflict with that, what will we lean into? He doesn't give us these choices. He says, look, I want you to harness your emotions. I want you to harness your feelings. I want you to harness the activities around you in this moment. And I want you to stand in the presence of Scripture and in the power of the living God. And I want you to move forward regardless of the circumstance. Lean not, but lean in instead. Trust me in all your ways. And I love that as the grand caveat. And I'm moving down to completing this right now. And it's complete with this thought. When, when the Lord says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not, but lean in. Trust me. And then he says, I want you to trust me in all your ways. That means you don't have an out. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do church for a little while and I'm going to have a little Jesus trust now, but I'm, I'm going to not trust you in this way. Look, when he's saying trust me in all of your ways, that means in your marriage ways. Means you're just living in the middle of that and saying, God, you said that my marriage is a picture of your love for the church. And right now, I'm not even speaking to my wife since two days ago. What would a submitted life look like two days ago, much less today? I mean, in our parenting ways, you know, what are the...
passions of your heart for your kids? What are you praying for them? And more importantly, what direction are you pointing them? We don't have an out in our entertainment ways, in our morality ways, in the way we're giving our body and lives away, in how we, in how we, in our education ways, in our professional ways, in our relationship ways, in our financial ways. In every way, there's, this becomes a question of lean. What are you leaning into? And what are you leaning toward? And who are you submitted to? Because you can't break up and portion out your life and say, God, I'm going to acknowledge you here and I'm going to call you God here, but I'm going to keep this here. That doesn't work. That means that I'm going to bring this here, put it under your authority. What do you have me do differently? Oh God, you are my God. And I submit my life to you. And I would, I would imagine that it's universal in this room. I don't have a Billy Graham moment that a portion of you are now going to come walking down this aisle. I would imagine that 100% of us in this room immediately have thoughts of things that are not acknowledged before Christ. And we're holding fast to them. And we have leaned into our own understanding until it has all but killed us. And I'm inviting you to submit those to the cross of Jesus Christ. I am not inviting you to be stronger about it. I am inviting you to be weaker. I am inviting you to be broken. I am inviting you not to will up your own strength, but to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And to bring that up under him, I'm inviting you to, in your dating ways, to see them as divine appointments, to encourage them to be more for Jesus. I'm inviting you in your school ways to pursue education as if it's for the glory of God. I'm inviting you professionals to be about the kingdom of Christ. We are saying, God, we submit to you in every way. And it begins here. We begin to, to lay it out and say, oh God, because this is true, we stand in the epicenter of where the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light come together. Use us, Lord, as a people of light for your glory as we trust you with our heart as we lean not on our understanding, as in every way we lead into you and we submit our lives to you. This is where it gets extraordinary if you follow the path of this scripture. At that point, the Bob challenge becomes real because here's what happens, God. Trusting you with all my heart, leaning not into my understanding, in every way acknowledging you, repenting and walking back into you. I will I will then have this great joy, God, because you will lead me down the paths of righteousness for your namesake. You will make it straight. You'll make it clear. And maybe, God, the reason that I have not been in the midst of your path is that I have not, not tried. I have trusted not. I have leaned into my own understanding. I have acknowledged everything but you. And so here I am, God. I am trusting you. I'm leaning not into me. I'm submitting this to you. I want to be about you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use me for the sake of your glory. Direct me in the paths of your commands. For there I will find delight. And it will be powerful for a body of believers to watch Jesus make straight his path for the sake of his name and his glory. How extraordinary. So let's go. Let's go. You have ample you can do on this earth besides live a self-absorbed story. Let's go. You have many things you can do for the sake of his name and his greatness besides your greatness and your story. Let's go. Let's go redeem. Let's go reconcile. Let's go ambassador. Let's go represent. Let's go live for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. Let's go. Jesus, we praise you for today. And God, we praise you for this Bob challenge and just for Bob who just found himself wandering in Kenya because you made that path straight. 
God, I pray that you will find us wandering in places that currently this day we can't imagine. And Jesus, I pray that's true because there are things that we're going to submit to you this day that we're going to just lay at your cross and in our weakness find your strength is perfected. God, I pray that there will be um, healing and restoration and redemptive work of your spirit. God, I pray that you will move among us in such a powerful way. God, I pray that there will be a lean away from our understanding and a lean into the goodness and the grace of who you are. God, I pray that we would lean away from our strength and lean into yours. God, I pray that you would give us such room to process and ponder who you are and that we would live and breathe there. God, you're good. We worship you now. We praise you now. We're going to just close the service with this song and as you well know, we're, we embrace membership through Discover Mandarin. So there's, there's not an action you need to take this morning other than before Jesus. Perhaps across this room, universally, there are things that we're trying to handle ourselves. And God is just inviting us to freedom today. Come and just put them at the cross and say, Lord... there's action and activity that absolutely fundamentally does not acknowledge God. Today is an incredible day of repentance to come and to tell him that, to give it to him and to walk in a different way. Maybe you just need to come and find an altar and say, God, teach me a holy lean. I want to find myself on my knees before you. Honestly, this moment is freedom before God to respond. Pray with a friend. Come pray at an altar. I'll be here if you want to pray with somebody. Bow before the Lord. Sing a song. Whatever God would have from you to be fully surrendered to Him. Would you do that in this moment? Would you stand with me? Would you sing with me? Would you pray with me? Would you worship with me? Would we be one together before the cross?